3: your open space and now move the sticks with daniel jeremiah and bucky brooks
4: what's up everybody welcome to move the sticks dj bucky with you as we are just a little over a week away week and a half away from the 2023 nfl draft in kansas city buck what's going on how you doing man
5: that man uh you know it was it was a great weekend we're like what 10 12 days away before the draft comes so you're trying to put the finishing touches on uh you're getting ready for path to the draft so you're trying to figure out which new names you want to kind of throw out there for the week so people have at least heard about these players uh before you get to the draft and then you're trying to man i got a new updated top five list that's due manana and i have a mock draft mm-hmm. that is due next monday so i'm just trying to put all that together
4: yeah i've had uh... I've had some decisions to make as I'm working towards getting my 150. I've got to turn that in at the end of the week. So that's finalized. That's it. No more um, that final ranking. And, you know, there's some of these debates I've been kind of pushing off. We, we talk about letting guys travel together. You know, you mm-hmm. rank two players like right next to each other. And I'm like, okay, once we get to the very end, I've got to, you got to it go up or down. You yeah. got to just, yes, some hard choices. So like last night I came to the, okay, I'm going to put Avila, over Osiris Torrance like I'm having this guard debate yeah but having this the whole time and I was like well I think Avila more position flexibility he fits more teams so you know we're kind of we're kind of like a, a team without a roster so when you're doing this on the media thing so it's hard to stack those guys so I'm like well if he fits more teams then I I guess I'll go in that direction then I had that final debate of Paris Johnson and Darnell Wright like going in mm-hmm. kind of I've had those guys right next to each other. And uh, you know, it's just trying to sort that one out. That's like one of the last things that I have to do here. And then obviously you stack the rest of your your 150 accordingly. But those are two of the two of the battles. And then I'll be honest with you, even uh, I don't know where you were on this, but the Richardson Levis. Thing like I, I I think we've both been good with the top two guys with whatever order uh you know you're either a Stroud guy or your're your bryce but we both agree those are the those are the top two guys mm-hmm. and then to me it's that I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like, there, I don't have a strong conviction on Richardson-Levis, Levis-Richardson, so I still got to sort that out before um, we finish. Up. So
5: it'd be great um, sometime to have some of these, like, to flesh out these conversations, like, as you're getting close to the end with, with your 150, because um, – I think sometimes I struggle with top fives are a little easier, but then you're always trying to put who's next. Like if this was the NCAA tournament and you see how they do bracketology, uh, first four in, first four out. So I just kind of would love to have that conversation like, okay, you talk about 150, because for people to know, uh, I don't know if this is true for you, but the reason why you kind of stop at 150 is. Most NFL teams on their draft board, they have anywhere from 125 to 150 names. And so even though there are however many picks there in the draft, normally you carry a smaller number because you want to get the guys that fit your program. And so I am sure when you're cutting down to the 150, you are having to make hard choices. And what's different on our side, the media side is you're still trying to do it based on your opinion, while also taking into consideration Look, they're 32 teams and 32 different tastes and what they like and those things and which players might best fit some of those teams. And so it becomes a different challenge than it would be if you work for a team. And so I would love to have some of those conversations.
4: Yeah, it's interesting because I think on most years. um, I end up having about I think usually over 140. So I think it was only maybe one or two guys in my top 150 who did not get picked. Last Mm -hmm. year, I have to go back and double check that I'm looking it up right now. I do know I had Jack run a roster report for me um, on uh, on when the season started 134 of the top of my top 150 were on active rosters last year. So it's kind of, you know, you try and find those guys. But what I'm getting is normally when you're picking in the Mm -hmm. seventh round, your final pick. Usually, there's one or two guys still left on your top 150. Usually, 150 gets you to the finish line. Yeah, and,
5: and and so the 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 thing about that. So if you talk about 150, 150 takes you through probably much the majority of the fourth round. Is that we're we're about at it, yeah. it kind of cuts off right around the fourth round. And when 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 you think about that, I think people have to understand uh, from our vantage point. We're issuing guys off grades. And so when you work for a team, your verbiage matches Grade that you placed on a player. So, for instance, if you give someone a top 10 grade, a top 10 grade signals that you believe this player is going to be uh, a top five or a Pro Bowl player very, very early in his career. If it's just a first round grade, hey, I believe this guy's going to be a starter very early in his career, maybe from day one, and he's going to play very, very well for us for the next three or four years and go on to that. And each round that you go down, it changes the immediate expectations of a player and a prospect. And so the reality of it is when you get to the fourth round, the fourth round, we're talking about developmental players who have redeeming traits, who have the potential to develop into a key contributor or more in time. So when we talk about players in the fifth round that emerge, a lot of times if you were drafted in the fifth round and you've emerged as something, it's a little bit of luck, a little bit of faith. There was character. There was something else. Because if we felt that strongly about you, we typically don't take you in the fifth round. We would take you sooner. So there are a lot of different things that come along with that. And so when we talk about these players in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round, they're okay. developmental prospects. And sometimes they're put in that category, not just because of their talent, but because of circumstances, whether it's medical, whether it's character or other stuff where you can't rate them highly based on those challenges that they may bring.
4: Yep. Exactly right. And one fifty buck gets you uh, halfway through the fifth round. So This year, Washington has the 150th pick, and that's a midway point there of round number five. So, uh, and I and I think as a scout, I I do more players on in the media side than I did when I was with a team. Like most most scouts, especially even if you're an over the top guy, Mm -hmm. um, and, and you're seeing the top players in the country, over the top guys are still maybe doing you know 300 to 350 players probably looking at those guys. And then with that, everybody kind of watches their players, then you you really get that narrowed down to one fifty. So on this one, I'll watch four hundred, but I only I only have to rate one fifty and that'll get me uh, you know pretty deep all along into the draft process. There's two hundred and fifty-nine picks. So, so it gives you just a little peek around.
5: around yeah, so let's ago. think let's think about this. And we've heard it like there have been reports that where people have talked about like the New England Patriots at one point only would have seventy-five names on their board. Uh, I know back in the day, I think the Cardinals would have maybe 100, 100 to 125. So when you think about how skinny that is, because I've been with teams that operated where, I mean, I think with the Panthers, we had a million people. It was so it was so many people on the board. It was cluttered because you mm-hmm. couldn't really think because there were so many names. Uh, can you imagine going into a draft with 75 to 100 names only on the board? Like, would that make you nervous that you wouldn't find your guy? I don't know. Well, it, it
4: it would, but I think that you narrow it down and you cut out so many guys. Like I, I talked to a team the other day, and I won't mention the player, but there, there's a defensive lineman who's being talked about, and some you know some media stuff has him mm-hmm. going in the first round. A lot of people have him as a top 50 player, um, and I, this team had him in the they like well, we maybe would take him in the sixth round. Like, he just <laughs> he doesn't fit us, so we went. To, why would we take him? He doesn't fit us. So that's why I think it's funny when. You know, you're grading these guys on our side of things, and they're like, "Well, I don't understand how you could be so different than this other person. He has him as the 12th player, and you have him as the 45th player." I'm like, "You realize that that guy who's a 12th player on somebody on the media's board might be the 140th player <laughs> on a team's board? Like, that's how that's how wide ranging, especially this year. Like this year, it's throw it all out, man. Like this is not a, uh it, it's not a." a loaded blue chip player draft where we would look at it and say okay all teams agree these are the you know these are 25 to 28 of the top 32 players it's not that not that type of year it's not,
5: it's not the type of year and so draft night may be as volatile as we've seen in recent years because everyone is all over the place on these players like no one has a consensus maybe the top 15 i think we probably get agreement on top 15 to 18 but after that it's wide open and because it's so wide open they're going to be some picks where everyone does the collective <gasps> because you're not expecting that player to go as soon as he goes. And so it's it's going to change the thing. And I know um, everyone loves mock drafts and all that other stuff, but it's kind of hard to stay true to your drafting philosophy if you're thinking beyond mock drafts and wanting to get the mock draft right. If you're grading players based on how you think they're going to play in the league, there's going to be a wide uh, disparity between what you think and what some other guys think based on, what system you grew up in, what you're thinking about, what teams you kind of have in mind when you're giving those grades. Uh, it's all subjective, uh, but that's also what makes it fun.
4: Yeah. I, I mean, I think in most years, I have to go back and look it up, but I, I would say on average, um, if you're doing a mock draft, I would say while the, the, the team and the guy being married up properly is darn near impossible nowadays. Um, some guys obviously have done, had more success than, than we have, But I would say on most years, I bet both of us have between 25 to 28 of Mm -hmm. the 32 names correct. Like those end up being first-round picks. This year, Buck, like I'm, I'm fully anticipating this might be one of those years where it's like you get 20. Because there might be 45 different guys capable of filling those last, well, I guess there's only 31 picks this year. Mm -hmm. But there's a huge swath of players capable of fitting those last 11 spots this year. I can't remember a year like that where it's just, you know, it's going to be very, very need specific, in my opinion, as we get to the bottom of the first round.
5: It is. And so that goes to one -hmm. of the things I want to talk about, because everyone, particularly when we do the stuff that we do, like let's talk about it like without our TV guys being mad at us, Everyone wants to talk about trades and who's going to trade up or down and this stuff. And I would like to have the conversation with you. Trades aren't driven by the teams. Trades are driven by the player. There has to be players that you covet to make you want to go up. No one is just moving up and down the board unless there's a specific blue chip player that you're hunting. Um, In your experiences, what have you seen drive the trade market? Well, trades usually get driven by two things. More
4: important, you know, usually they're driven by quarterbacks, first and foremost, that drives the trades. And then usually it's, it's pass rushers, right? If you're trying to get up to get a premier pass rusher. Well, in this year, you know, we've already seen one quarterback trade and maybe we get a chance to see another one. Um, so I think that is active. I still think that's a thing this year but edge rusher wise because there's a there's a bunch of them it, it's a pretty deep group now we might not have the you know a Nick Bosa or a Miles mm-hmm. Garrett or a Von Miller but there it's a pretty deep group of guys so i don't envision seeing trades for edge rushers cuz you can sit where you are and still get a quality edge rusher
5: yeah no so it's funny because another conversation that has been, kind of been making the rounds there's been a lot of conversation about Will Anderson and Will Tyree Wilson go ahead of Will Anderson because maybe there's a little uh, Will Anderson fatigue out there when it comes to evaluating him, he is not viewed as special as the Miles Garris of the world or some of the other top pass rushers that have gone off the board. What's your take on Will Anderson when it comes to that? Like, How do you rate him compared to some of those other guys that have kind of come out? So
4: I'll, I'll give you some numbers because I'm glad you you brought this up. I was actually talking to an assistant GM about this last night, and we were just kind of like – is the league really the league isn't really gonna let this happen, are they? And 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 you remember, I in my second mock draft book, I think I said I put Tyree Wilson ahead of Will Anderson on a mock draft. Again, that's not what mm-hmm. I think of the player. It's a mock draft based on what you're hearing, because I do know for a fact there are teams that are Tyree Wilson over Will Anderson teams. And I said, let's just prepare you for the fact that this could happen. Just be prepared for it. It was almost like when we were having the Trayvon Walker, Mm -hmm. uh, Aiden Hutchinson conversation. Yeah. We were both Hutchinson guys, but we said, hey, be ready. There's teams that have it the other way and be prepared for that. So that was that conversation. But let me give you these numbers. Will Anderson, um, from 2020 to 2022 – 34 and a half sacks, 62 TFLs. He is first in sacks over that period in, in the FBS. He's first in TFLs. He's first in quarterback hits. He's first in quarterback pressures. Um, he was um, a dominant player as a true freshman. Starts at Alabama as a true freshman, which you do not see uh, often. The numbers, like, it, it's off the charts. And then they say, well, his overall stats came down a little bit this last year. But if you look at it, his playtime went down because they were rolling more guys through. Um, and they have Turner on the other side, who's a good player as well. And they were they were rolling guys through his like production per snap is still as high mm-hmm. as it's been. And it's like, are you just just bored? Is that what we are? We're we just bored of watching him play that we're going to try and nitpick him? Is that where we are?
5: I do believe there is something to it, DJ. You know, I'm the biggest uh, supporter of production when it comes to that position. Man, that that production translates. And so you're talking about 34 and a half sacks and 62 TFLs. I mean, disruptive plays that are on tape multiple years across a span of time where you can say, Hey, this is what he does (laughs) against against top competition. And so this is the danger I say of the draft because the draft happens so far from the end of the season that sometimes you get bored and you overthink and you make it more than what it is. And the funny thing about the Tyree Wilson conversation is Tyree Wilson is a really good player, but Tyree Wilson also has an injury that has kind of prevented him from doing stuff. So here we are, not only talking about a player that was more productive, but a player that is healthy and hasn't had any durability issues. And so normally the clean player always gets to nod. And so the fact that it is yeah. to me is just kind of fascinating, particularly when the conversation of late has been whether the Houston Texans going to do it two? they may bypass on the quarterback and take a pass rusher. And then which pass rusher is it? It just fascinated me because I'm like, man, Will Anderson has been kind of like the bell of the ball for two years. We talked about him going forward, that he was going to be a top pick and those things. Jalen Carter, yes, I can see. Tyree Wilson, I'm a little more surprised that his name has been the one that has been placed over top of Will Anderson.
4: Yeah, I mean, and again, I mean, I like Tyree Wilson. He is uh, – let's see where I ended up with him. Tyree Wilson for me, Buck, is – Tyree Wilson is my fourth player in this draft class. He's one of the best players. He's my fourth player. Will Anderson is my second player, just behind the quarterback and Bryce Young. Um, So, and again, like all the numbers, you know. Well, and I give Tyree Wilson credit. He had a great year this year. Twenty-eight point eight percent pressure percentage, which is tops among all these guys in this draft class. But you look at Will Anderson. He's he's fourth. With 17.8%, and that's against a different level of guy he's playing against in that conference. So, um, I don't know. He's done it for a long time. There's a long track record there. Nitpick him at your own uh, to your own demise. There. I think he's a really good player. I, I think he's the best. He's the he's the combination of the best slash safest defensive player in the draft. I think we're both on the same page. Jalen Carter is the most talented defensive mm-hmm. player in the draft class. I mean, it, he's the one when you pop on the tape and it it's like. You know, I was doing just getting ready for the draft and going back through and looking at all our XO highlights that we have for when these guys get picked, and making sure that we're on the same page with the words that we have flying on the screen. So I just been watching these tapes all weekend, and you start watching, I and mean, these are the top players. These are the top mm-hmm. seventy five players we have these tapes on, and like a oh, good player, good player, good player, good player. Whoa, like Jalen, Jalen Carter, like that. That jumps off the screen. Like, that's different. That's different. Now.
5: It's different. And sometimes you have to go back and do that because it's been so long since we like did the full analysis and the report. Uh, you talk about these guys, and you kind of get used to the same words that you, the same buzzwords that you use for these players. And so sometimes you like on autopilot. But then there's a difference between good and great in this league, and there's a difference between those those elite blue chip prospects and those those guys that are just below the line. And sometimes you have to do a refresher to remind yourself why you loved those guys, whether it's rereading the report or just kind of popping in tape, just just to remember how special they were. And so Jalen Carter is one of those. And so like, let's talk about him right quick. Like DJ, character is what it is. You talked about the ability that you see on tape. You go back to last year when you watched all those guys come out of Georgia. Everybody still talked about Jalen Carter. And so now that we're, a week can some change away from the draft. How do you balance the production and the potential versus the boogeyman that could be out there, which is the character? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's why it's going
4: to be impossible for us to do it. Right. So you want to be able to, to be able to clear him through the process of an awful situation that took place mm-hmm. um, and it, which he was involved in, mm-hmm. but it has been resolved legally so there's nothing that's to come in terms of a legal proceeding or you're worried about what's going to happen from Mm -hmm. that standpoint so at least that is in the past um you and i don't get the opportunity to spend enough time with him where we'd be able to say okay there's a difference between uh you know a lapse in judgment and and poor character if that makes any sense like you can make, you're going to make mm-hmm. mistakes in life. And hopefully this is not, this is something he's done. This is not something about who he is and we can, we're not going to get that information. So that's why it's going to be hard for us to say that. All I can say is what I can see on the video um, in terms of a football character standpoint of does he play hard? Does he play with passion? And, and does he, does he take plays off all those types of things? I didn't have one concern. There's not one note on my paper that I thought, "Okay, this guy's saving himself. This guy's not giving effort." Um, I thought it was exceptional, to be honest with you. And so I—that's why from our spot, I I dropped him a few spots. He was my number one player in the whole draft, Buck. Mm -hmm. I mean, I dropped him to number five. So I feel like that was my way of acknowledging, you know, the situation that took place that he was involved in, but. In terms of the football stuff, I didn't have any evidence that this guy doesn't love football and doesn't play hard.
5: So that's the thing, because it it has morphed into that. And I think people have to understand when we talk about character, we talk about it in two different forms. We talk about more character in terms of like how you are, how you treat people, things you're involved in, what you're engaged in. And then we also have the discussion in the room about football character. Do you love the game? How do you prep? How do you practice? How do you take care of your business in the weight room, on the field? All of those things. How are you around your teammates? And so... The first thing that you have to assess is like the moral character okay what is he involved in away from the facility how is he how does he treat people uh do we believe that we can quote unquote trust him when he's not with us those hours that he's not in the facility can we trust him to do the right thing when no one really knows what he's doing secondly when it comes to the football character does he love ball and that is thrown out there a lot every time you talk to a prospect they say oh I love ball I love ball I love ball or whatever but do your actions line up with the words that you're saying when it comes to your affinity for the game and so there's been some conversation where they've talked about Jalen Carter and whether he would show up and whether we do those things or whatever but what I will say is there are not many guys who walk around the planet earth looking like him, playing like him with his kind of tools and traits. And so even though we can ding him on some of those things, at some point someone's going to be like, okay, the buck stops here. We'll take him. And so we have said we we confidently know for sure he's not getting past the Philadelphia Eagles at 10. But DJ, I have a hard time thinking he gets past the Seattle Seahawks at 5. And even then Mm -hmm. to think that Jalen Carter, arguably the best player in the draft, might be the fifth player taken – it's still hard for me to envision that that is what's going to take place on draft night. Despite all the conversation and noise, I still have a hard time believing that he'll be fifth or later in this draft.
4: Yeah, I mean, I go back to, uh, you remember when Leonard Williams was coming out? I think he was my top player in that draft. I think he was the sixth pick, fifth or sixth pick of of, uh, of the mm-hmm. Jets at that point in time. And he's, you know, obviously he's gone on and made a lot of money and he's he's now with the Giants and has, has had a good career. But that was an example of someone I thought was the, the best player in that draft and ended up going six. So, you know, there is precedent there with that. I I would say, and you'll see it reflected in my top 150 when it comes out, Buck, that there's a difference, you know, and this is, again, I feel like this is helpful for those that are listening or watching of, of seeing what takes place in the draft room. So if I have a player who is, let's say you have a better player, right? So this guy's a little bit better, but the guy that's not quite as good as him is is superior character wise. Mm -hmm. Okay. I might take I might take the guy who's superior work ethic, character, intelligence, all that stuff. I might take him and put him over a guy who's a better player. Mm-hmm. There's a difference though between a better player and a dominant player. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. I have a hard time even though I'll say this 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 player the the guy has better football character, work ethic, you know, passion, intelligence, all that kind of stuff, but the guy that I have is a dominant player. Like that's harder for me to then factor that in. So in other words, if it's close, yes, a clean clean character record is going Mm -hmm. to elevate you over somebody, even if that guy's a little bit better than you. But when the other player is a dominant player, it's harder.
5: Yeah, it's harder. And uh, let's be honest, uh, teams are more willing, most teams are more willing to take a risk on a dominant player because everyone believes in their program, their structure, their culture, that they're going to get the best out of the player. The big part is when you see that Jalen Carter is going on these visits, These visits are kind of the litmus test to determine whether you can bring him in the Mm -hmm. building. Uh, I think today he might be in Detroit. And so you got Dan Campbell and company. Yeah, Dan Campbell and company kind of poking and trying to see what does he fit? Because as you use Leonard Williams as an example, the Detroit Lions are sitting there at six. And DJ, if they somehow find a way to land Jalen Carter to go beside Aiden Hutchinson, you know, like you're now talking about a young, dominant, dynamic defensive front that fits what Dan Campbell wants to do, which is basically I want to beat you up for 60 minutes on defense and come after you. And so, um, these visits are really important. Everyone is trying to get to know these players to know what they bring to the table. And so, uh, it's just a very, very interesting and fascinating time. Last thing for you, because, um, you said Bryce young is your number one player and I am hearing, um, more conversation about Bryce Young going to the Carolina Panthers because of all the things that he brings to the table. People have been, um, I guess, able to get comfortable with the height, with the size, and those things. So for you, tell me why Bryce Young is your number one and why you're not worried about any of the stuff that could come with being 5'10 and some change, 185, 295 pounds at a QB one spot.
4: I, I'll give you it's it's two reasons really, and this is why I've had this you know since they got the first overall pick. I, I said I thought this was for Bryce Young because I feel like he's the best player, and I feel like you, you don't you don't stay to you know types and specs when you get the first overall pick. You stay to get the best football player, mm-hmm. and obviously quarterback was going to be the direction they were going to go. But the two reasons why for me he's the best player, Buck, it's for the combination of what I see on the field. Paired with what I know in terms of the work ethic, football intelligence, leadership, all of the off the field stuff is off the charts. Mm-hmm. So it marries up with what we see on the field. Now when we get on the field, pocket awareness, poise, placement, playmaking. I talked about those four P's throughout mm-hmm. the process with him. I think that's his calling card. Um, he's like a coach on the field. Um this guy understands the complexities of the game and is already doing some master, you know, some master degree level stuff on tape. In other words, you see him manipulate safeties with his eyes. You see him move guys. Um, you see him create space and time and then understand I can run for five yards so I can buy time and I can throw it for 50. Like it's great. He does some graduate level stuff. And there's no there's no game there's no game that I point to during his career mm-hmm. at Alabama where I go oh man well just I guess we just got to throw that one out you know let's uh, you know hopefully that's not who he is like I don't know where that game is nobody's been able to show me I've seen all, all, everything this guy's done on tape and every game is consistently good so I feel like there's a there's a comfort there knowing how he's wired. And then also knowing and how he's played. And then, look, we all, you know, anybody that's on the Bryce Young train, um, we're all going to be crossing our fingers that he can stay healthy with his frame. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the that's the risk that, that I'm going to take.
5: You know, it's funny because um, having gone through the process uh, early, um, I've obviously had C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young, even though I believe they're kind of like 1A and 1B. But a lot of what has held me back from Bryce Young has been like, the size and the prototypes and those things because it's, 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 it's ingrained in you to, hey, man, the quarterbacks yeah. need to be 6'2", 215, 220. They need to be able to have the durability to handle this stuff or whatever. But I did have an interesting conversation a while back. Um, maybe it was February. I was talking to, I mean, a long-time NFL head coach who has been out, but now he's back with the team. And we were talking about Bryce Young. And he said, oh, he's the guy. But why is the guy? Mm-hmm. Did you worry about the height? He was like, You don't even worry about that part of it. He said, in your mind, when you're building the team, you may have to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Bryce Young is our guy. He does all the things that we want. Maybe he's available for 15 out of the 17. So the most important job is who's the backup quarterback because we have to kind of bake into the equation. He might miss a game or so because he's dinged up, but he is so good that I'm willing to play 15 games with him as opposed to settling mm-hmm. for a lesser player who may be available all the time. And so in thinking about that, if you think about this is an organizational decision and he does have a slender frame, it is important that the number two quarterback can go in and win a game. And so when you think about the Carolina Panthers, the Panthers signed Andy Dalton in the off season, you now have a veteran quarterback who is more than capable of winning games. And we saw last year he won games in New Orleans in time, but, With Bryce Young coming in, it not only is about him, it's about making sure we have all the things to backstop him to give him the support that he needs. Some of that support is not only the expertise being shared by the backup quarterback, but it's also the backup quarterback being good enough to fill in in his absence because inevitably he might get banged up and miss a game or two just because of the slender frame, but that doesn't deter us from taking him because he's the best player on the board.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think you said it beautifully there, Buck, and I, I've been kind of saying similar things this whole time, which was I'd rather have 14, 15 of him than 16, 17 of somebody else. It's just the way the way that it works. So I, I'm going to bet on the player, and then I'm going to hope that he's you know he's able to stay healthy. There's going to be hope involved with any of these quarterbacks you pick. Um, I, I Just to me, I, I feel more comfortable with this particular risk with him. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. We're going, to, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and hit the Jalen Hurts contract that just got done. And I want to connect the dots, not only just as guys who played at the University of Alabama, but I want to connect the dots between Jalen Hurts and why he got paid and what we just talked about with Bryce Young. We'll do that right after this.
0: Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at tmobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class.
4: All right, Buck, let's uh, let's talk about this new contract that just came down. A couple thoughts here on Jalen Hurts, who just signed a five-year, $255 million contract extension with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, it's going to make him the highest-paid player in NFL history. Puts his average per year at, what, $51 million? Mm-hmm. Uh, $179 million in total guarantees. One ten million fully guaranteed at signing. One hundred twenty-six million fully guaranteed by March 24, as well as the first no-trade clause in Eagles history. Uh, Hurts, only 24 years old. Buck, two things here. Uh, Number one, we said it uh, on a previous episode that Mm -hmm. with all these extensions that were on the horizon, and obviously everybody knows about Lamar's situation, but we anticipate the Burrow and Herbert contracts coming shortly, uh, that Howie Roseman was going to jump to the front of the line, and he was going to get Jalen Hurts done. So check that box. That is no surprise how he knows that price ain't going down; it's only going up. Uh, so he's the first one to post. He wanted to get that deal done, and uh, he did so. So that was my first thought. Second thought, and I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I was talking to uh, someone with the Eagles the other day, and we were talking about Hertz, and uh, we we're talking about in, in reference to, you know, the 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 debate in this draft between Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, mm-hmm. and saying, okay, if we acknowledge that that Young and Stroud are kind of They're way further along in their Mm -hmm. development. You know where they are in the process, where there's more distance to travel with the other two. And who do you decide who you like better? It's something I'm struggling with to see which one of those guys. Mm -hmm. And a common thing that's been out there is, okay, well, you use the Jalen Hurts plan,
1: Mm -hmm. um,
4: ease them into it. They both can run, and then they'll develop into passers. And then, obviously, we've seen the success that Jalen Hurts has been, and off they go. And this guy with the Eagles uh, reminded me, which was excellent, he said, what people need to realize, Jalen Hurts, since he's been drafted, has been the first one in the building every single day. He's been the last one to leave every single day. Buck, he shows up with a briefcase, an actual briefcase, mm-hmm. every single day. So, in other words, if you could tell me, if I, if I had the, the ability to, to know those two guys, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, at a much deeper level than we can in our particular mm-hmm. roles that we're in right now, and you can say, which one of these guys is more likely to be that guy? Because that's the way you travel from this point to that point. It, there's no shortcut. It is an incredible amount of hard work. Hats off to Jalen Hurts on that deal. But I think that's a great lesson for all these quarterbacks.
5: It, it's an outstanding lesson. And having known him, having watched him from when he was in high school, going through the Elite 11 circuit, watching him perform at Alabama and then go to Oklahoma. A couple things that I think people miss about jalen hurts and this is what has kind of annoyed me about like people making the comparison with anthony richardson and others to him i think people need to go back and remember how dominant he was at alabama in his own way as a freshman he had alabama on the doorstep of winning the national title he guided them as a guy who was a dominant player as a freshman and sophomore to a tongue takes over jalen hurts stays sits waits works has an opportunity to go in in the SEC championship game and delivers. He then goes to Oklahoma, changes system, kind of has to reinvent himself a little bit to fit in Lincoln Riley's system. He becomes a Hivesman Trophy finalist in that system. And you look at the numbers, the numbers were remarkable. So you're talking about a dominant college player. He goes to Philadelphia where he's really thought of as an afterthought. It was a lot of controversy about why they would use a second round pick on him. Howie Roseman at the time talked about, we are always in the quarterback developing business. We want to be a quarterback factory. They have Carson Wentz there who had just got a four-year, $128 million extension. He is the franchise quarterback. Jalen Hurts' work ethic endears him to the teammates. That he has the it factor that the franchise quarterback who just got paid doesn't have. And so a lot of the stuff that we talk about with quarterbacks, we always talk about the arm talent and this and that. It's the dude. The dude factor that Jalen Hurts brings is one that you can't quantify. And so when we're looking at these quarterbacks and we're digging deep, it ain't about the playing style. It's about the guy that really loves it and is willing to do all the other stuff. So what your friend and colleague told you about the Eagles is everything that we should be looking for. The recipe isn't the skill set, the recipe is the intangibles. Jalen Hurts' ability to show grit, toughness, determination, the industriousness, all of those things that he brings, that's what I want my franchise quarterback to do. And that is why Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman had no problem issuing the check. That might speak volumes about why it's taking so long for other quarterbacks to get paid when it comes to that. The people in the building know exactly what they're getting from Jalen Hurts because he's always around. All right. This is the the last line of the report when he was coming
4: out, Buck, and we've referenced it many times. Overall, Hurts must continue to improve in the passing game, but I'm going to bet on his eventual success due to his playmaking skills and overall competitiveness. And that is exactly what you were just talking about. It's what we've talked about with that Steve Young line of over my dead body, are we going to lose the game? Like there is a competitive drive to him that wasn't going to accept anything less. Um, And if that's not hokey and everybody says, everybody works hard, not like this. No, not everybody gets there at that time. Everybody leaves at the time he leaves, go, go read stories. There's they're out there. Go read the stories about drew Brees and the commitment that he had and what he was putting in to get the results he was getting out of New Orleans. Now I'm not saying you can't do it for a year or two buck um, on sheer ability. Uh, And we've had some unbelievably talented guys come into this league um, that you can get away with it here or there. Patrick Mahomes is incredibly talented. Patrick Mahomes works like crazy, and he's obsessed. He's obsessed with being the best. So, I mean, to me, there there is a different level of commitment you get with guys um, like Jalen Hurts, and and that's that's the, that's the sweet stuff. That's the good sauce right there of of what determines whether or not these guys are going to be successful. And again, um, I, I come back to it in this draft and. And, and not to say that it isn't great on C.J. Stroud. Everything I've got out of there has been rock solid. But the stories and the individual examples I got on Bryce Young were so off the charts mm-hmm. in terms of the, the amount of time he was digging into this whole thing and taking a game plan on Sunday and having it down by Monday of a game week and making tweaks and checks and having play uh, uh, requests and and wanting to take things out, put things in understanding every every single snap what his guys are doing as well as what the other guys are doing like that to me that helps me sleep well if i'm a team that's drafting a quarterback knowing that i've got that level of commitment
5: well i think that is the part of it dj and i think it's the reminder of what we're looking for when it comes to the quarterback, and why it's so important that you have to meet the quarterback, see the quarterback in person, watch how they interact with their teammates, see if they have the secret sauce to make their teammates better. Well, with Jalen Hurts, uh, I thought it was telling last year the, the way the team responded to him and, and DJ, like to see him dealing with injuries and then come back in the postseason. And then the performance that he put on in the Super Bowl was kind of like the rubber stamp. It was I'm willing to go toe-to-toe with Pat Mahomes. And if you looked at that, and we had the blind resume. Damn, it hurts how played Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And so if you're a Philadelphia and you know the person, the person that still continues to get up and do all the other stuff, yeah, why wouldn't you bet on that? And so it's not only a lesson to young players who are growing up talking about how to can I get better, how can I be what I want to be at the end, but it's really a a, 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 a teaching moment for us to be like, hey, when we're talking about quarterbacks and we're looking at quarterbacks, man, you better bet on the guy more so than talent because the guy is always going to win out in the end.
4: Yeah. And, and also the, the last thing that I'll add on this is and this can translate over to other positions, not just quarterbacks. But when you're visiting with these guys, oftentimes you wonder what are the right questions to ask? You know, how do we figure, you know, these guys out and what type of commitment they have and, and how passionate they are, how much they love this stuff? Buck you need to be able to present a plan. So when when I, if you're Mm -hmm. say you're Bucky Brooks, Mm -hmm. you know, wide receiver coming out of of North Carolina, I'm going to say you're coming to my building on a top 30 visit. I'm gonna go buck. All right, here we are. It's April 17th. What's your plan between now and the draft? Like what, what is Mm -hmm. your personal plan? How are you going to be ready? And, and and if I talk to you and you answer that question, you say, well, I know many camps are coming up at this date and I'm going to be spending this time working on this until then. And then after that, I'm going to try and pair up with a veteran. I know this guy or that guy. I'm gonna, we're going to work on releases, and then and I'm going to get paired up with my new quarterback over this month. And I want to make sure I'm in there two weeks before training mm-hmm. camp. Like you should have thought all that stuff through. You should have a plan because if you don't have a plan, you're behind the guys that do,
5: man. You are behind the guys that do. And I will say this, and, and it's funny because Jalen always references his process, and I think the, the the great thing about him as he represents Philly. He always kind of leaves a soundbite that not only resonates with the public, but it also resonates to his teammates. So he's always able to kind of mm. quiet everything like, no, no, we need to focus on what's to hear and now and those things. And it's funny, uh, a lot of what we hear Nick Saban talk about the process and how you take it day by day and rep by rep and all that other stuff where Jalen appears to kind of live his life like that. And so when you bring that, um, we used to talk about in Elite 11, uh, I want a, a thermostat leader. Meaning when he walks in the room, Mm -hmm. it changes the temperature in the room. That's what Jalen Hurts presents. And so that is the part of it. We can talk about it because you see it with uh, Justin Herbert. We've seen it with Joe Burrow. We've seen it with these elite guys. It's not the talent. It's their ability to raise the level of play for those around him. Pat Mahomes obviously did a dish. You remove Tyreek Hill. The team goes and wins the Super Bowl with a lesser supporting cast. And so – We started the conversation today talking about the difference between good and great and talking about the blue chip players and dominant players and those things. Those are the little differences that are what you're looking for when we're doing the evaluation process, who has the secret sauce, who has the ingredients to elevate everybody around them so we can play at a championship level, not only a quarterback, but at other positions, the character, the character, the intangibles, those are the things that you have to really dig up. You got to, get up under the hood to see if the people have the right stuff because that's the difference between good and great in this league. 100%, man.
4: Um, I, yeah, I think it's it's cool. Congratulations to Jalen Hurts on that deal. Much deserved for all the reasons we just mentioned. And the Philadelphia Eagles are in good place. Uh, we used to have that quote from Tony La Russa up in our draft room in Baltimore that says, when your best players are your best workers and your best leaders, you really got something. Um, and that's... That's where Philly is right now. They're in good shape with him uh, leading the charge here. Um, and, and as you mentioned, Buck, when you think about the next ones we're going to see coming here, I mean, I think Cincinnati, as Joe Burrow said, what, their window is his career? I think Yes.
5: That's what he said? Yes. So, so uh, yes. So, I I can't wait because now, well, you talk about ponying up, man. I know they wish they went on and get – I wish they got those deals done before Jalen Hurst came through. But now, you're talking about ponying up at $50 million per – I mean, it's it's going to be that best thing. Is you try to stretch it out as long as you can because the money is big, significant.
4: Yeah, yeah. Jalen Hurts getting another bite at the apple here too. Um, Twenty four years old, DJ.
5: Twenty four. Hit
4: it again before he's 30
5: Holy he We'll hit it again, folks.
4: Good for him. Uh, anyways, congratulations to him. Congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, some cool, uh, some some cool things to celebrate there as we head towards the draft and see if we can find the next Jalen Hurts ourselves here. Um, all right, on the next episode, Buck, we are going to dive in team by team. We're going to talk about the needs. We're going to talk about what would be ideal fits for these guys. Um, as we get a little bit closer to the draft again, you said it. 10 days, we are almost there. Uh, we appreciate you guys hanging with us today. Hope you've enjoyed this one. We'll catch you next time right here on sticks.
0: Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4 24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a straight talk extended silver unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of 5 phones per customer. Family plan discount with 4 lines all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.